All right, here we go. We've been introducing the minor prophets, and uh, we are going to do this one more time, and then the plan is next week to start Hosea, next lesson. And uh, we've been looking at the five courses of judgment in Leviticus 26, and we pretty much have covered that, uh, those details there uh, where Israel is taken out of the land, they're, uh, they're placed into captivity, Gentiles have moved into the land, they're literally out amongst the, uh, the Gentiles. Uh, you need Second Chronicles 36, that's where we're going to start, and then we'll go to Jeremiah, uh, because Jeremiah is going to give some details about all of this. And Israel to Daniel, the five major prophets, they, again, all five prophesy in connection with the captivity. In Scripture, it's, it's referred to the scattering, the captivity, okay? It, it's never, it, it, because things are, that's where Israel is going. Isaiah, 66 chapters, 66 books. Chapters 1 through 39, so our Old Testament, is about the condemnation of Israel and why they are going into captivity. Then starting with chapter 40, which equals Matthew through 66 chapter, is about the redemption of Israel and God coming and comforting and redeeming Israel. So one section you, and by the way, that's why they always... That's why you see the, here the Bible critics say there's two Isaiahs that wrote the book of Isaiah. One writes because, one because the, it's the uh, experience of, of, of what Israel has gone through, that first half, and then the second half, the prophecy about what God's going to do in restoring Israel. So see, we have two Isaiahs because they're so different, and that's just not the case that literally comes from, some, from people who do not understand their scripture and want it to say something differently. So all, all of them are looking at Israel going into captivity and then God bringing them out. And uh, Jeremiah, he's called the weeping pro, pro, uh, prophet. He's in Jerusalem, uh, in Judea. He'll be there before the captivity, during the sieges, and then the fall of Jerusalem, and then afterwards. He never leaves Jerusalem. He stays there. So one of the things that in his prophecy is he tells Israel what's going to happen to them when they go into captivity. So you've, the five major prophets, they're going to lay in the foundations. The minor prophets, which is where we're trying to get to, is going to come in and fill in some of the details, flesh out some of the details for us. And when, when you think about, Jeremiah is going to tell them some information here. And uh, Jeremiah is written prior to the captivity. He's, right, he's early. He's in the fourth course. Actually, Isaiah through Malachi, well, Isaiah through Zephaniah are in the first course. Fourth course, sorry, they're written there. And then the beginning of the fifth course, then you have Zechariah, Haggai, and Ze uh, I'm sorry, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi written. So you've got some overlap there in the very beginning. Now, if you look at 2 Chronicles 36, verse 11, Zedekiah was one and 20 years old when he began to reign and reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. So now Zedekiah, if you remember, he's the king that Nebuchadnezzar carries away into Babylonian captivity. Drop down to verse 15. And so, by the way, Jeremiah is written before 2 Chronicles 36, 11. He's, it's already written. Zedekiah is the one that has Jeremiah in chains and in jail for what he wrote. It's, okay, so... That's kind of the timing here. That, and, and really what we're going to do tonight is look at the timing of all this. Verse 15, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets 
Now watch, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. And again, it's what I said last time. The day of the wrath starts with the Babylonian captivity. But the interesting thing is, is there is no remedy. And the, what the captivity is all about is the wrath falling on Israel because they've not hearkened, they've misused, they've rebelled against, so captivity fell. Captivity doesn't fall because God's a mean God. Captivity falls on them because they broke the covenant with them. Verse 17, therefore he brought upon them the king of, Chaldee, of the Chaldees, who slew their young, that's obviously Nebuchadnezzar, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary and had no compassion upon them. Uh, I'm sorry, upon young man and, or maiden, old men, or him that stooped for age, he gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. By the way, that's Daniel. Daniel's carried away. So we're, what we're reading about here is the third siege. Okay? In chapter 36, uh, you go back up there to verse 5. Jehoiakim was 25 years old. See, Jehoiakim, that's the first siege. Verse 8, now the rest of the acts of, uh, of uh, Jehoiakim were this. In verse 9, Jehoiachin, there's the second siege. And then Zedekiah is the third. So you've got Nebuchadnezzar comes up three times, beaten on Babylon comes up, beats on them. Finally, verse uh, 18, they're off. Verse 19, and they burnt the house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burn all the palace, palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. That's Daniel and Ezekiel, but specifically Daniel. Verse 21, now watch. To, why did all this happen? To fulfill the word of the Lord, Leviticus 26, by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years, 70 years. Now we have this issue now of why of now Jeremiah? <laughs> because what Jeremiah is going to do is Jeremiah is going to come in now and talk about the 70 years. So come over to Jeremiah 25. So when, it, when, the, when the Babylonian captivity takes place, they recognize that it was done in the exact manner and way that God had told them through Jeremiah. That's what 2 Chronicles 36 is saying. So if you want to understand the 70 years, and you got to go read Jeremiah. And what he's going to tell us in Jeremiah 25, that's what he's going to do. Now, by, by, so 70 years, by the way, that thing there in 2 Chronicles, I know you've left, but he says, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she keeps Sabbath, to fulfill three score. So the 70 years of Babylonian captivity, so stage one, is designed for the land to, to rest, to enjoy the Sabbath years. See, every seventh year, the land was to rest. They didn't let the land rest. Now the land's going to rest. So, and why? How is the land resting? Israel's out of it. He's pulled them out of the land. They're taken off into captivity. Actually, in Ezekiel 36, he tells them that he's going to deal with Israel as a removed woman. And you go back to Leviticus 15, and you get the idea there. And you know what they are? They are removed from the land. So the land can uh, recover. And the land is is important to God. It's where he's going to dwell. It's where he's going to set up 
It's the place of his city. His throne's going to be. So that land, Israel had corrupted that land. So he's going to take Israel out of that land so that she, so the land then can enjoy the Sabbaths. Now, Jeremiah 25, verse, well, where to start? Verse 8, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words. Now, what did he say in Leviticus 26? If you don't hearken unto me, then I'm going to do all of this seven times more. They are not hearkening to his words. He's told them. Israel is not responding positively to God's word. So what does he do? He sends the next course and the next course and the next course. Verse 9, the fifth, court, the, the fifth here. Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Notice, my servant. <laughs> He's using Nebuchadnezzar to do what? Enforce the fifth course of judgment. And will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an, an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of millstones and the light of the candle. He's, this is pretty tough. Nebuchadnezzar's wiping them out. He's taking the best off, and he's leaving the rest in subjugation. He's destroyed the city. He's laid waste to the walls. The temple is destroyed. Everything is just laid as rubble. Verse 11, and this whole land, not a piece of it, but the whole thing, shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and the, king, and the nation shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and for the, for the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolation. So we got 70 years and when that's done, I'm going to punish the Babylonian captivity. All right? So what's interesting about this is we learn that the Babylonian captivity is on a time schedule. It's not going to run forever. It's going to run how long? 70 years. Okay? And when we come to the minor prophets, one of the key issues in all of this is as it, Isaiah to Daniel, as they lay out the details for the hope of Israel and the information there as we're going to see it, that we have to remember this is all working on a time schedule. The captivity is on a schedule. It's not going to go on forever. It's, gonna, it's being succinctly dealt with, and it's on a schedule. So the first stage of the fifth course is 70 years. All right? Now, we're going to see more about that here in just a minute. Now... Draw your eye across the page to verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me, Take the wine cup of this fury at my hand, and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it. Now, the first stage is 70 years. That's all that Jeremiah understands. But God's going to tell him there's more to it than just the 70 years. Verse 16. And they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then took I the cup at the hand of the Lord, uh, at the Lord's hand. Sorry, make sure the ringer's off. <laughs> at the Lord's hand and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord had sent me. What does he say? Take the cup, verse 15, the cup of this fury at my hand, and then I'm going to use that, by the way, this, the fury of the wrath of God here, that's terminology that's later used in Revelation to describe the end of the captivity. 
when we look at the time period of the captivity, it's going to start with the 70, and there's going to be more coming. Jeremiah doesn't understand the more. That's going to be Daniel. He just understands the 70 years of the Babylonian captivity. But see, what's going to happen is, is Jeremiah is going to be describing this day of wrath, this fury, this cup of the fury at my hand. And then when we get over here to that fifth, at that fifth and final stage, it's going to be describing the same thing, but it's going to look back over. So there's going to be the beginning is going to be historically in the moment, bam, but it's going to be prophesying about the end. And these guys skip a lot of this middle. But you can't skip the middle, see. Daniel is going to come in now and say there's more information going on in between the first stage and the fifth stage. And that's going to be key to see because the miners are going to be talking about all of it. They're going to hit the first and they're going to hit the back. They're going to hit the middle. They're, going to, they're bouncing around, filling in the details. So there's a, a loop here, if you will. A, 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 uh, Schofield has a comment, something about the two horizons meeting. Ooh, what does that mean? You know? And what, what it is is this is a prototype of this. And what happens here is going to, that's why I said last week, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord starts that Babylonian captivity. It doesn't start back over here at the 70th week. That information is describing here. That information is describing that. And there's this loop. And the prophets, they do that. It, it's very fat. Have you guys, um, when we studied Revelation, which was many moons ago and I was much younger, I, some guys study the book of the Revelation in a circle because this happens. And when this one opens and all this opens and then this and this, and it gets very confusing. We studied it as the verses came to us because that's how God told John to write it. He didn't tell, write it in a loop. He said, when you see that, write it down. When you see that, write it down. There's this overlapping of events here. And what's going to happen in the first stage is going to be repeated in the fifth stage. Now, come over to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Okay, and then what's going to happen over in the first stage is going to happen in the fifth stage, but there's information going on in between that you have to, we're going to, that we can't ignore. In Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar gets a dream of, a, of an image. If you look there at verse 37, Daniel's going to interpret it for him. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And whosoever the children uh, of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the, bee of the heaven, hath he given unto thy hand, and them hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. He's the head. He's Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. Verse 39, then there's going to be another Kingdom come up, inferior, that's going to be chapters 5 and 6, the Medes and the Persians. Then in verse 39, there's another one coming, that's Greece, that's chapter 8. Then verse 40, we've got the number next one, and that's literally going to be the king of the north and the king of the south, and it's going to be about the Antichrist, that's chapters 10, 11, and 12, okay? So Daniel is given some information that we're going to, you're in the Babylon, he's in the Babylonian captivity. He's in the 70 years, but when that 70 years is up, there's more captivity coming. See, we're going to have the Medes and the Persians. We're going to have the, the kingdom of Grecia, and then we're going to have the Antichrist. And we got this, all of this Antichrist kingdom, we got all of this information. So Daniel, come over to Daniel 9. He's given an additional time schedule. And, and in Daniel 9, we see this. So if you think about, I'm going to write on the board. Oh, oh, boy. We have 70 years. This is stage one. Of the, and this is Babel, the Babylonian captivity. Okay? 
By the way, this is all fifth course. Isaiah, well, we'll get into all that in just a minute. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So this is year 71. And guess what? We're still in captivity. Okay? So just because the 70 years have ended doesn't mean we're done. There's some additional events going to happen. Okay? He's in the Medes and the Persians. Darius, the, the Mede. We'll get over, you remember Daniel and the lions in Cyprus, okay, and all of that. He's the one that's going to send them back and so forth. We'll see that as we go. Verse 2, the number of the years is what? 70. The 70 years are done. That's what Jeremiah said. That's what Second Chronicles said. It's all finished. Verse 3. And I, this is Daniel, set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. And he literally does what Leviticus 26, verse 40 to 45 says, in order to get out from under the course, what are we going to do? A national confession. When John the Baptist, when we see this when we get in Matthew here in a minute, a little bit, he's out there in the national confession. These guys aren't down going, I stole a candy bar from the grocery store. That's not the sins they're confessing. They're confessing the sin of breaking the covenant with God, the iniquity. Verse 11. Verse 11. He's doing exactly what Leviticus said. Yea, verse 11, Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him, and he hath confirmed his word, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our, our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. What does he understand? He understands the 70 years are up. It's time for national confession. And he's confessing. He's doing exactly what Moses told him to do in Leviticus 26. He said, this is, almost said this was going to happen. It happened. And look at it. Now we got to confess it. And the captivity has to end. If we want to get out of captivity, then we've got to do this. See. He understood exactly national confession. He understood exactly where he was at. Now look at verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God and for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am not come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications and the commandments came forth, I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. <laughs> hey, Daniel's like, dude, I, we were on a roll here, man. And Gabriel showed up. Verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon, now who? This is the land. Now we're dealing with the people. See? Now we're going to deal with the people. This was Neb, 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 Nebi. 
because I don't want to spell out Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Now we're going to deal with the land. By the way, notice, determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. What's that? Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the, up the vision and prophecy, and, to, and anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that, for, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, and even in troublous time. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week... He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of, of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation that and, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Whew. That's the events that are coming. Now, what's interesting is you've got to see where we're at here. So the Babylonian captivity is 606 B.C., you, you take 70 years, we're at 536 B.C. What starts the 70 weeks? 70 weeks of years, by the way. So if we got 70 weeks, and it's that, we got 490 years that we're going to be dealing with. Okay? By, by the way, Genesis 29 tells you that a week can be a seven there's, there's weeks of months, there's weeks of days, there's different weeks all in the Bible, but in, Ger in Genesis 29, 27, there's, 70, there's seven weeks to a, uh, seven years to a week, and that's where that comes from. As we start, there's going to be some time. Okay, now we won't get the back end just yet, but just kind of look at what's happening here. From the going forth to, of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. That's, by the way, I'm just going to do this. This is stage two. This is going to be stage three. This is going to be stage four. And five will be over here. Okay? This will be the 70th week. New heaven, new earth, great white throne judgment, off to the map we went, okay? I had to, all right? So from the going forth, that's Nehemiah chapter 2. That's where we're, okay? Nehemiah 2, Cyrus gives them the command to go back. What are we going to be? We're going to be, we're going to be 49 years. We're going to be seven weeks. See what, how it does that in the verse. Okay, seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So here's 30, we'll just put it right here, 32 weeks. So from here to here is 69 weeks, 483 years. Take off the 49, we have 434 years to cover from... Here to here is 400 years of silence till Messiah shows up. When Messiah shows up, now we're back talking. Okay? You might, all right? And then that's going to be 34 years over here. See, there's stuff happening. Okay? And that's what we have to remember here that there are things taking place. Now, notice verse 25. The street will be built again and the wall even in troublous time. That's Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. You go read them, okay, you see all of that. Then he says, and after three score, so when it's all done, we'll have Calvary. 
and then we're going to have some other things designed to happen, the city, the flooding, uh, the, the, uh, the shall come destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof will be with the flood and under the end the war. And then we have the 70th week. We call that the tribulation. It's really Daniel's 70th week and so forth, okay? So we've got a lot going on here, okay? Now what Daniel does is he says, okay, 70 years is up. Land's good to go, but the people are still dirty, okay? So we're going to clean them up. Now, what we have is in the 49, we have Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, okay? In the writing prophets, you're going to go Isaiah to Zephaniah, and they're going to literally start in the fourth course and bleed over into this. They're here, okay? Then you're going to have Haggai to Malachi, and they're going to start here and bleed over just a little bit into that point. But if you remember, these are pre-captivity. These are post-captivity. You remember that we did in the verse? These are post-captivity. What's happening here? Post-captivity. They're back in the land. Cyrus is there. They're out of that Babylonian captivity. Okay? Now, we're going to have silence. Silence. Silence! So no info is coming. Now, come over with me Get to Daniel 12. We're just going to walk through this. The reason there's a progression here that you have to have in the back of your mind because what the miners are going to do is they're going to progress through this. They're going to progress. So what's happening here is going to duplicate out over there, but the minor, the, the minor prophets are going to progress through some of this. And, and I hope we have the time, we'll, or well, we will make the time, and uh, you're, you're ready for a couple hours, right? Okay, good, because I'm only on page three out of eight, so I'm just kidding, all right? The writing prophets, Isaiah to Zephaniah, Zephaniah before the captivity, they're in the, and then Haggai, Malachi, they're after, they're, they fit kind of in here. So by the time this stuff is done, all the writing is done, okay? Now, the reason for the writing, we looked at this last time, a couple, is because now a time of silence is going to happen. You got Daniel 12. Just notice something here in Daniel 12. Okay, now, Daniel 9, 10, 11, and 12 are one unit in the book of Daniel. Daniel 9, he sees the vision. Daniel 10, you've got Gabriel going back and forth, and he's stuck with the king of Persia, and all that stuff is happening. Daniel 11, there's more information given to Daniel, the king of the north, the king of the south, and so forth. And then in chapter 12, it's done, if you will. But notice verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, notice what Daniel's instructed to do. Shut up the book. Shut up the words and seal the book. Okay, now everybody's got crazy ideas about this stuff, and they fail to read the word, read the verse. Okay? They say, see, running to and fro. Everybody's in cars, so they're going everywhere, all over the... No, that's not what he's talking about at all. And honestly, I've heard some really stupid stuff come out of some very smart men from the pulpit about this. Notice, it, until, even to the time of the end. That's going to be interesting. We're going to see the Messiah, and we're going to see the end. Come over with me to Amos chapter 8, the end. Amos, hold on to Daniel and get Amos chapter 8. We looked at this verse a couple weeks ago, 
talking about the silence, I want to use this one verse here, verse 11. Just think about it. He's seal up the words, seal up the book, no more information's coming. Till when? Till the end. Okay, not, not the end, the end. Seal it up, Daniel, no more's coming. That's why the writing prophets have to be written. Give the instructions for during the silence. Until what? Until the end comes. The end. The five majors are going to lay in the foundational issues. The five specific information groups. The miners are going to come in and they're going to build on those five and they're going to flush out some details and add some things and fill in the, and fill in the outline, if you will. Now, the wonderful, again, if you think about Paul's epistles, Paul's epistles does, do, does, do, does that, <laughs> does that. Build Romans, the foundation, then more little bit of information from Corinthians and Galatians, and then Ephesians, more. And, and, and that's literally what's happening here. So the foundational information and then the advanced information from the miners come in. And there's a time period here. There, there's, a, there's a working before the silence, those 49 years. That's why it's 7 and 62, because we got to get it all done so that when the silence hits, all the information is there. So we've got time periods here. Amos 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and, they sh and, and from the north even to the east. Now watch. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Daniel 12, verse 4, what did he say? Seal up the words, or shut up the words and seal the book. What, what is man going to do out here in the silence? Amos 8, they're going to run around looking for it and they ain't going to find it. Now, it's going to be in the written word, but they're not going to see it come out of heaven from the prophets and so forth. By the way, the reason for the writing prophets, ultimately, we'll see this when we get into them, is that Israel is not in the land. So God can't talk to them through a prophet. He's got to talk to them through what? A book. The word of God. So there's some things that are going there. There's a period of si period of silence that's gonna last till the time of the end. There's no no more revelation coming, Daniel. You're the last. Get it done. The writing. Get all the writing done. Everything's done, and there's no more information until the end shows. Again, two in Amos eight twelve. They're running to and fro, seeking. They can't find it. But Daniel 12, verse 14, they're going to run to and fro. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Daniel 12 says they're going to run around looking for it, and they're going to find it. Amos 8 says they're going to run around looking for it and not find it. That's two different things here. No more information. Can't find it. The end shows up. They're going to find it. So Daniel isn't shut up until here. Daniel, go to Mark 1, is shut up until who shows up? The Messiah. That's going to be the kicker. You with me? Okay. So silence. Daniel 12, 4. Amos 8, 11 to 12. No more. And again, there's other. It's amazing in the minor prophets how that issue of silence is greatly played out. Okay? There will come a time when the silence is going to be broken. 400 years of silence. And the silence is broken with the con in connection with the Messiah. Mark 1. Look at verse 14. Now, when we studied Mark we started Mark 1. We spent like four weeks in this, these two verses, 14 and 15. 
Now watch verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, now that John is John the Baptist, okay? Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now let's think about this. Go back to chapter 1 about John. You're in chapter 1. Go back up to verse 2. Okay, now think about John and what's happening with him. Who sent John? God the Father. Okay, now look at 1-2. As it is written in the prophets, Malachi 3-1, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which, was prepare, which shall prepare the way before thee. Malachi 3-1 tells everybody the silence is going to be broken when the messenger shows up. See that? Verse 3. The voice, Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Isaiah is going to tell you, uh, by the way, Isaiah 40, the 40th chapter, the 40th book, Matthew, is telling us that when John the Baptist shows up, the silence is broken, and when no JB shows up, it's in connection of the coming Messiah. So the Messiah, in the end, the, connect, the silence is done, okay? Now, real quick, come to John 1. Just, you gotta, this is, I mean, we, could, we can be here all night, but we, and maybe we will. John 1, look at verse 6. John 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Who sent John? God the Father. Now come over to verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith unto him, saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which is take away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon me. And I knew him not, now watch, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same, what? Said unto me. Silence is broken. Isn't that interesting? God the Father says to John the Baptist, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now come back to Mark 1. So when John, sent by the Father, the Father speaks, the silence is broken. Okay? We got 400 years of silence. 400 years. Now we're going to have some time over here. Silence. The time, verse 15, saying the time is fulfilled. The timing element. The time was fulfilled for the Messiah to show up and for the silence to be broken, and for knowledge now, Daniel 12, to increase and to be back on, on the, 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 the level here. The days of Messiah, when God began to speak to Israel again. And what is, it, what is that? That's Matthew through early Acts. By the way, 34, you got 33 years, and you got an extra year for, for Acts. There's your timing, okay? You with me? So during this period, we've got John the Baptist, we've got the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got the 12, and we've got the little flock. And what are they doing? They're hammering it with, it, thus, thus saith the scripture, bam, and they're nailing it. Okay? By the way, if you go back there to Daniel 9, I'll just make sh verse uh, 26 and 27. Where am I at? I'm in Ezekiel. That's why it doesn't look right. Daniel 9. If you look there at verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall... It's after the, time, the counting. There's Calvary, and then things are done. And then we're going to have one more event out the 70th week to come in. So we've got stages here of the fifth course of judgment. And the stage, stage one, Babylonian captivity. 
Stage two, we got 49 years till the restoration is complete, the city, the wall, and the street, and all of that. Then we begin 400 years of silence. That's stage three. The fourth stage comes in with the silence being broken, with the Messiah showing up. That's going to run the 34 out. That gives us our 483. We've got one more, the 70th week, and that's going to make our 490 years. This is yet future. You with? Okay? So if you think about Scripture... The Babylonian captivity, remember 2 Kings, fourth course starts, they're carried away. Fifth course starts with Babylonian captivity. So now we're up to the end of 2 Chronicles. You're going to have Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. What's after that? Job, the Song of Solomon will fit in this time period because they need to know how to behave, how to think properly, how to get through it, what the tribulation, what all this troubling is. What's after Song of Solomon? Isaiah. And he's through Malachi, and they're talking about all of it. See? So now we're up to Matthew. What are we doing there? We're breaking it. We're in the end. Now, come over with me to... uh, Oh, where to go, where to go, where to go. Um, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, John 16, Hebrews 2. Hebrews 1. We'll go one at a time. We got time. Because we're not done, are we? Okay, Hebrews 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these, what, last days spoken unto us by who? So this time period back here with the Messiah is called last days. Why? We got one more week and it's all done. The people are going to be cleaned up. We're done. We're good. The last days. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and early Acts, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, come back to John 16, because this is going to be important. And hold on to Hebrews, and go back to John 16. Hold on to Hebrews. Actually, you need Hebrews 2, but John 16. John, not Luke. We've got fat fingers today. We're John 16. And notice, if you will, verse 12. John 16, verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. So they're, again, they're in the upper room the night before Calvary, the night before the trial. They go down. They're on their way out now. They're going to, at the end of verse 16, 17, they're going into the garden. The Lord prays. He goes, I got more to tell you, but it's too late. We're, time's up. We're done. Verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, that's what Hebrews to Revelation is going to be about, because now we're going to have a situation here where there's going to be a time of silence again because there's going to be the crucifixion and all these, you know, the war and the desolations and everything. So now we're going to need information to get us through the silence and through the 70th week because God isn't speaking here. That's why Matthew will say, let him that, uh, when you read Daniel, what you see going on that Daniel tells you, it's time to get out of town. And then he says, let him that readeth understand. That isn't God saying, hey, this is this, this, this. He's like, what are they reading? They're reading the Daniel. They're reading Hebrews through Revelation. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is going to cause Scripture to be completed. He's going to cause Scripture further details that are going to be needed to be made known to the believing remnant, the little flock, on how that they are going to Get through that 70th week, the last seven-year period of time. More information is needed. 
more information, more than what Christ is revealing to them, and more than what the prophets. There's more stuff. I, we need the help, guys. So the Holy Spirit causes. By the way, John 14 is a preauthorization of the writing of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And John 16 is the preauthorization of the writing of Hebrews through Revelation. God, the Son said, God, the Holy Spirit, is going to write that stuff out. And what do we see? We see it take place. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. Verse, um, well, shoot, verse 3. Well, uh, again, just to think about this, go back to chapter 1 there, verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Last days spoken unto us by his Son. The end of verse 1, by the prophets. The last days, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, early Acts. That's why in Acts 2, Peter telling everybody what they're seeing was Joel 2 as they talked about the last days. That's why he calls it the last days because in their mind, it says the last days. We just got seven years to go, guys. We can make it. We just got to get the information in and let's go. Chapter 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Boy, everybody loves that. You know. Now watch. Great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> See, it's not a great salvation for you and I today. This has nothing to do with you and I. It has to do with what? What the Lord started in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Confirmed unto us by them which that heard him. There's early acts. Verse 4, early acts. And God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Spirit. I'm sorry, gift of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts 1 to 8. Bam. Verse 5. For unto the angels hath he not put into subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. Now, here's Hebrews says... Hebrews to Revelation, we're about the things to come over here. We're, we are in this and we are working through this because this is what is needed to get through another time of silence because, I mean, you think about it, the Lord ascends up, the Acts period begins, what does Stephen see the Lord doing? Why is he standing? His enemies are made his footstool. See? And it's time to come back in wrath. It's time to next step. Okay, guys, now how do we get through that? See? So we have the next information. You guys follow? What? So, so you've got the scriptures laid out in the timing. But you've got to have the timing as we begin now to drop on. We're going to drop in on Hosea and see Gomer and the kids. And when we do that, it's like, okay, where is he talking about? See, So John 16, he tells the apostles what Daniel 12 told you was going to come, an increase in the knowledge. They're, they're going to go to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. It's not only here, but it's out there too. Because we're going to write it down. And we're going to communicate it through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're going to communicate it through the script, the scriptures. And again, the reason for the more books needed is there's a time of silence between stage four and stage five. And again, it's critical to see this division. Now, go with me to Micah 7. Because I want to do this and then we'll be done, I think. I think, you, I think we've beat the dead horse here. Or Micah 7. By the way, you and I, we gap into here. Okay, so if you take out this stuff, all right, we gap here.
Now, the city and the desolations and all that stuff of Daniel 9, 26, taking place after we're, we're taken out, okay? So we are gapping the gap. There's a gap here in pro prophecy. By the way, there is no time given to this gap. It just says that after the 69th week, Messiah will be cut off, and then off you run. See? So there's a gap here. We gap that gap. Then, because he doesn't tell us how long Daniel 9.26 is going to take to carry out. Okay? Now, the minor prophets, the writing prophets... They're taking their writing before captivity, during those early captivity days. They're in stage one. Seventy years, they're all done writing at that point. They then, what they do is they take stage one and connect it to five and, and don't really cover this stuff in the middle, but there's a lot of stuff going on in between. Okay? And... It, they do this a lot. Micah 7, give you an illustration of this. We saw it in Daniel 20, or I'm sorry, in Jeremiah 25. But Micah 7, look at verse 12. And just we'll just do the, this one and, and uh, one over in Hosea, and then we'll be done. Lord willing. And I don't find any more notes. Micah 7, verse 12. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria. Now note, in that day he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress even to the river and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. Now he's talking about the Assyrian coming, okay? To take them into captivity. That's what he's talking about. Um, Micah is talking to Judah, the south. Here comes the Antichrist. Here comes Assyria. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. Feed thy people with thy rod, the flocks of thy heritage, which dwells, uh, dwell solitarily in the wood, in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. Isn't that interesting? So in the moment, they're getting their, they're losing. And he just drew them back to the days of their old. But what days of old? Well, look at verse 15. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. What they're going to do over here in this course looks like what they did way back here. What did they do? How did the Lord take care of them? How did he feed them come when they came out of Egypt? A little thing called manna. You see, the Lord, it's a prototype of God delivering Israel from satanic bondage and bringing them into their promised possession. The exodus out of Egypt is used all the time, as in the days of her youth, and they draw back the picture. So just like he fed them back there with manna, what's he do in Revelation 12 with them and the table set for them in the wilderness? He feeds them, see. God's doing court, number five, stage five, just like he did back here in stage one, if you will. So we find quite often something that happened back here in Israel's history is a prototype, a, proto, a, a, a typology, a picture of what's happening, what is to happen in Israel's future. Historically, at the moment of Micah 7, that Assyrian is down there and, and they are under captivity. They are being beat up, beat upon. Now this is Judah. So who would the Assyrian be? Nebuchadnezzar. Because that's where we're at. See, we're starting here. So, historic, so there's this wraparound that's always, come over to Hosea chapter 2. We'll flesh that out when we get to Micah in about 10 years. Not really. 
this will go quick. It's not going to go very fast because I'm, I'm enjoying studying it too much. Hosea 2, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Now he's talking about Israel, obviously. As in the days coming up out of Egypt. But notice, I'm going to take her into the wilderness and I'm going to give her a door of hope in the valley of Achor. Now, do you remember what happened in Joshua 7? That's where the Valley of Achor is. And Achan had that Babylonian garment, and there was sin in the camp, and they go up against A, the little town of A, and A just kicks them, just defeats them. But what did they do at the Valley of Achor? They take that Achan and the Babylon, and they take it out, and they judge the sin in the camp, and they deal with it. You see, okay? So... They confess the sin, that's the hope, they get it right. So Joshua 7 becomes a picture of what's to happen over here when the Lord returns. What is he going to do? He's going to take the sin of Israel out into the valley of decision and deal with it once and for all. We got a picture way back there, Joshua 7. We got It's looking over here. So at, he doesn't... So we're going to see this loop from there to there and then this detail in here. Now, what's, why is all that important? What does it have to do with the minor prophets? Well, it has everything to do with it, and it's very important to see. I mean, you think about this. I've asked it. I know you've thought it because I have. Why didn't God just take them out and nail them? You did it? Bam. Why is this constantly... You know, one course and say, and now we got one fifth course, and then we got all these five stages. Why doesn't he just take them out and punish them and be done with them? Well, what we we will see is the loving kindness of God with His people, with His rebellious people specifically. We're going to see the long suffering. We're going to see the graciousness. He doesn't just go out there and boom, boom. He pleads with them. He beseeches them. He moves them through to here. What did, what did the Lord say? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I came, and if you would, I would have taken you, but you didn't. I pleaded with you. He doesn't just go boom, boom, and deals with them. He what? He's pleads with them. He beseeches, he gives them every opportunity. He holds out hope until 2 Chronicles 36. There is no remedy. And now we got to pour the wrath out and nail them. So the stages, they get going, one and two. They get all connected. We're going to loop over here to five in our terminology but we've got this stuff going on here that we need to see because he's not just nailing them. He's dealing with them. And there are, I'll be honest with you, you read it, there are times you can't tell. You re, I've been reading the Minor Prophets now at least two or three times a week, and there's times when I read that and I go, I don't know if he's talking about stage one or, or stage five. Because their terminology and the events are the same. You think about that Assyrian. He comes. Then Babylon comes. The north is taken into captivity. And then the south is taken in, you know, Micah, Isaiah, 5, all this stuff. And you know what? The Antichrist is the Assyrian. The Antichrist is, is Nebuchadnezzar. There's 18 major types of the Antichrist in this Old Testament. And you begin to see them over and over and over. The pictures, the prototypes, this continual effort here by God to deal with the rebellious people. And finally, he says, enough is enough. And I'll say, enough is enough, because we've been over an hour. 
Now, we'll start Hosea next week. So your goal for this week is to read Hosea about 100 times, okay? I'm just kidding. At least read it once because we'll get into talking about Gomer and uh, Hosea. In the first, we'll, we'll start in verse 1, <laughs> and then we'll just go through as we can go and deal with them, okay? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word and for the look into, the, into your marvelous book your wonderful book, and rejoice in them and rejoice in it so that we can give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In your name we pray, amen.